You're listening to Harper Audio Presents, a podcast that brings you conversation and inspiration from your favorite authors, editors, and creators, giving you new perspectives on the world of books, culture, and the arts. We are part of the HarperCollins Presents Network of Podcasts. I'm Anna Maria Alessi, and joining me today is Stephanie Ivanovich, a full-fledged Jersey girl from Asbury Park who began writing fiction while waiting for her cues during countless community theater projects. She's attended New York School of Film and Television and acted in several improv troupes and a couple of B-movies. A full-time writer now, she's also an avid sports fan who holds a black belt in Taekwondo. She's the New York Times bestselling author of Big Girl Panties and The Sweet Spot, and she joins us today to talk about her new novel, The Total Package, publishing on March 15th by William Morrow. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi. Now, I've copied down a description of The Total Package, which I liked, which has been described as the story of a hot quarterback who must figure out how to score big with a beautiful and talented media analyst after a heartbreaking fumble. So I like you, that. Will you set up the, the plot of the total package and tell us a bit about Danny and Tyson and Austin? Um, Tyson uh, Palmer is a quarterback who uh, sort of gets a little too much too soon and doesn't quite handle it very well or know what to do with it. Um, and he ends up throwing it away almost. Danny is somebody from his past that he doesn't remember. So she's kind of holding a grudge um, that he doesn't even, you know, know about. Yeah, he's clueless. He's absolutely clueless. Uh, he is redeemed, um, and the only person who won't let him be redeemed is Danny Carr. And uh, the book takes you on the story of his redemption and then their subsequent uh, journey to, uh, to each other. Yeah, I'm glad you used the word redemption because I was going to ask you about that because it, it, you spend the first big chunk of the novel talking about his, well, you, you set up his downfall and then you talk in detail sort of about his road back to sort of a normal life and a responsible life and then you flash us forward. So it, it almost feels like it's as much a redemption story as it is a love story and, and was there a reason why you, you took that route? Well, I don't want to give away any spoilers, obviously, but uh, I think readers will probably find that he's not the only one who needs redemption. Yeah. Like, redemption is almost a running theme throughout the whole book. The whole book, yeah. And I'm a huge fan of redemption in general. Um, I've been given second chances. I've given second chances that I've never regretted, uh, even if they haven't worked out. And... Uh, Clearly, Tyson gets his second chance in an unusual and unique way that not everybody would get a shot at, but that's why I think there's the running thread of the different ways to redeem. And what would you need to be redeemed from? Right. What motivates you to practice that type of forgiveness and that sort of, that second chance? That's an interesting way of looking at I've it. I've always found it fascinating that you forgive people for you. Like whenever somebody you see on the news or you hear a story and and people have been, you know, treated really badly and they forgive and you kind of ask yourself, geez, how do you even find the strength? And you realize that the strength comes from the forgiveness. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. uh, that's, that's a powerful message that 
I hope I put, you know, I put out there with a little bit of fun at the uh, same yeah, time. I think you did. Now, well, it's interesting that you chose to tell it through this very sort of popular archetype of our most popular sport, which is football. I know you're a big sports fan, but I'm curious. I'm, I am a big sports fan as well, but I am a, I am, do not like football for some specific reasons. And um, I'm interested in what attracts you to football and why you chose this sort of archetype of this, of, of this player to, to, to wrap the story around. The book, um, if you read the dedication, the book is dedicated to my dad and my mom. And my dad was a high school uh, biology teacher. Actually, I think he taught eighth grade. But he was the high school football coach. Oh. Um, and I can remember being a little kid running around the football fields. The gridiron. Um, yeah, and everybody was very nice to me because I was the coach's little daughter. So that sort of set the stage for me to have a very nice opinion of football players. It's been rough the last couple of years because a lot of players have fallen down in very real uh, and very serious ways. Um, but again, I, I like the redemption thread that uh, even – even these people should be redeemed. Now, my own, I raised two sons. I realized early on as my sons began to uh, follow after their dad that I could either get on board with sports or I could be left behind no, yeah, I, I as their that. mom. And I didn't want to be left behind. Sure. I wanted to be involved. So even if we're not all watching for the same reason, because I do like those tight pants and shoulder pads, um, <laughs> all that matters is that we sit and watch it as a family. Together. And I can guarantee everybody out there that if you do watch enough of it, you will pick up the game yeah. in, in all its entirety of the rules. Yeah. Um, it's a violent game, that's for sure. I yeah, certainly I wouldn't want to play it. I have troubles um, with the league. I don't have trouble with the individual play. I have troubles with Roger Goodell in the league. That's, uh, that's a lot where, of people yeah, do. Yeah, that's where it kind of gets me. And I kind of, um, we might be on quite the same page yeah, in know, that I, regard. I know, yeah. So now going to your your female sports reporter, did you base that on a particular reporter that you admire and that you sort of saw, then it sparked your imagination and, and you embellished from there? I've wondered for a long time, why are women not in this in this sport? And it's only this year that I've seen a woman at the front desk. Yep. Uh, I don't know if it's for ESPN or one of the NFL channels, because mm -hmm. now there's a million right, NFL right, right. channels. Right. So I think they eventually were, you know, if you ask me, do I think the league wanted to let women in? I don't know. I'm not in the league. But once you start going to 13 channels of football, you got to let everybody in because there's just, you know, slots to fill. Yeah. I don't care how women get there yeah. as long as they get there. You come from a family with a line of, you know, accomplished writers. Tell me your story of how, how this happened, how you finally said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it, and I'm going to put my foot down and put my neck out. Uh, here's the deal. I tried to be an actor for maybe 30 years. Um, I lived by Asbury Park, literally uh, on the main, the end of my street ends at Convention Hall. Wow. Where the greetings from Asbury Park sign still yeah, yeah, is. Yeah. Anybody who knows the area would know that they film a lot of stuff in Asbury Park. Robert right. De Niro, countless Bruce videos, The Sopranos. That's just the stuff off the top of my head. Well, 
when the movie The Wrestler came out, and uh, you know about yep. Mickey Rourke as the mm-hmm. Mickey Rourke was the messed up you know wrestler right. trying to make the comeback. Right. I literally could have hit him in the head with a rock from my house. That's how close I was to this set of in Convention Hall. And I realized when I saw the wrestler and or found out that it was in the movies and it was filmed in Convention Hall, it started to dawn on me that no matter what I did, I just didn't have the connections. So I took my first corporate job. There was no reason for me to hate this job. And yet, yet every day I was pulling <laughs> up and going, I'm going to open a vein before the end of the day. So that's when I really took, it took maybe eight months yeah. of just every spare moment. I'm talking from the minute I got home from work till I was passed out over the keyboard. My weekends, so you that just, whole summer, yeah. my weekends were spent writing, writing, writing big girl panties. Okay. That's all I did. People would ask me. I was the most boring person ever because people would ask me to do things and I'd be like, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I'm, really I'm busy. Put it all um, and that's, and that's what it took. And, and you're right. I, I knew that I had a name that would least would get someone to yeah, pick up you, the phone. Yeah, just read it. That's all I yeah. needed someone to yeah. do was, yeah. was pick up the phone and I'll, and I'll try. And, and if it didn't work, well, then I can honestly say I tried everything, sure. but I wanted to entertain just so badly. And so I guess, you know, my main message to everyone would be is, you know, be flexible in your dream. Like, never yeah. give up your dream, but be willing to be flexible because no lie, since I've become a writer, I've met more people and I've had more people come and sit to listen to me than my last 15 community theater projects combined. (laughs) So, um, Oh, that's great. It, it's, it's funny how things work out, but you got to believe in the process and, and right. And it was a lot of hard work. I didn't just walk up to it. Sure. You know, those books don't write themselves. So now that you're doing this full time, what does, you know, what does your writing schedule look like and what are your habits now? It's very funny, but my main work I worked the weekends. That same practice I picked up yeah. while while writing Big Girl Panties continues to and this day. How long ago? Day. Was that? When did that publish? I can't. Uh, Twenty thirteen. Okay. I'm also very early in the morning. Yeah. I love like five a.m. Right. That is just one of my favorite times. The earth is quiet. Oh, I good. get up. I have a ritual. I have to drive to the local Seven Eleven and get a coffee, really? and then I come in and. I'll work steady till about nine. Yeah. And then if I'm having a really great day, I'll keep going. But by nine o'clock, if it's not really jiving for me that day, I give myself permission to go do something fun. Take a walk on the boardwalk or something. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Go to the gym, you know, hang out with the dog. We recently got a puppy who is now my husband's little buddy. That's nice. And hopefully she'll keep him company while I'm on tour on with, the road, yeah. with the total package, which is yeah. clearly my favorite part. Okay, yeah, so tell us about that. That's um, what you love. You love going and seeing I've, your fans I and talking to them. I love meeting readers. I can't get enough of it. It's, to me, um, a captive audience, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I know sounds terrible, but um, my job's to entertain, so... 
when they come to see me, nice. I just I can't believe anybody is willing to take time out of their day to sit and yeah, that's nice. and listen to me about anything. Yeah. So um, my readers are really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, who is your first reader? Who do you hand your pages to as they're sort of coming off? <sighs> you know what? I really don't hand them to anyone until my editor gets, like... Really? And you yes. wait till the whole thing's done before you give it to your editor? You know what? The, the total package was only my third book, so I got chunks of it done and would send it to her just for her to go, yes, keep going, this okay. is what we're yeah. talking about, yes, keep going. I was really... It, it was a shock because when I wrote Big Girl Panties, the ending changed three times. Yeah. Like, my agents, I, I wrote it the original way I wrote it, and then my agents were like, ah, this isn't really working. You might want to change that up. And then after... It was sold? After it was sold, Interesting. the first thing my editor said was, yeah, you got to change that ending. And I was like, what? Was it going back to the first way, or was it a third No, way? it was a whole different way. It was the third way. And, of course, I was completely, like, you know, deer in the headlights, you know, how you would what? You bought this. You said it was good, you know. But I taught it, it, it taught me some very valuable lessons that, you know, creativity really is a well mm -hmm. that you can draw from often. But you got to be fearless, which is why I don't now let too many people read yeah, it because you yeah. can let 10 people read your stuff and get 10 different opinions, which muddle your brain. Yeah. And then you stop hearing your own voice because you're hearing other voices. Right. And, you know, if there's one thing I've learned in my travels, it's that every writer has a different story. Yeah. They have a different story on their how they got published. They have a different story on their on the way they write and how they write. Yep. And every one of them is the right way. Right. There is no right or wrong way. Um, but if you listen to too much advice, nothing kills your creativity quicker than too much advice. So now when you're writing, do you read or do you put reading aside? It depends. If I'm close to deadline, then it's just all about the book. Also, in the very beginning, I tend to not read mm -hmm. because I need to get down. Yeah, and I, and I want to get down the story as I see it. Um, so do you do outlines? Do you do very, very I do rough not. drafts? You I do, do not. Um, in fact, I almost, I sometimes write like a screenplay. Yeah. Like, you know, if I'm, if I'm in a, an, you know, I get spring fever very bad. Like just something about the rebirth of spring and the smell of flowers. I just fall in love with love every spring. When it's spring, that's when I usually do, uh, you know, my you romance yeah. scenes yeah, okay. <laughs> are warm and fuzzy and lovey, lovey, lovey. Um, you know, in the middle of winter when I'm not getting enough vitamin D and I'm a little cranky, well, that's when I might write some conflict. So um, the book I'm working on now, I'm trying to do from beginning to end and then... But if I get frustrated, I'll go back to my old way of doing it because mm -hmm. it's, it's you know, it's, it has to be what works for the writer. Mm -hmm. And that's why when people ask me, you know, to give advice to writers, I'm almost hesitant to do so because what worked for me, chances are, is not going to work for you or at least part of it. So until you get good at chewing the meat and spitting out the bones of what advice is for you and what advice you can put to the side – 
that's almost a skill. Yeah. Um, but you got to sit and write. You got to bick it. That's called button chair. You got to <laughs> you got a button chair because they don't write themselves. Yeah. So now, um, what do you like to read when you are reading? I love a good romance. Susan Elizabeth Phillips is probably the top of my list. I've been reading her forever. I think, uh, you know, I, I just did a blog um, post for somebody who asked me um, about libraries, and it reminded me of the first time I snuck out of the children's section to find Wifey oh. by Judy Bloom. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a shock. I need to have a happy ending. If I don't have a happy ending, um, I take that really, per like... Yeah, take, you take it hard. Uh, I do. And you know what? Life can be really tough. Yeah. And life is full of um, stuff you wish you could change, not only for yourself, but for others. And I'm a feeler, so I, you know, um, empathy is sometimes a curse as opposed to a gift. So... If I'm going to read, I need to escape and know that at the end. You're going to be taken care of. Yeah, or that they're at least going to take care of each other. Thanks to digital publishing, there's a lot of good authors out there waiting to be discovered and found. And uh, I just want you all to know if you're listening, I'm rooting for you. What was the last book you had a conversation about, and, and what did you say? The last conversation I had, I think, was about Amy Poehler's Yes, Please. Okay. Uh, because of the similarities, because um, she has, you know, she's, her boys are still young, yep. but she writes in such a great way yeah. that it took me back multiple times to that time, and uh, that was a good feeling. That's so nice. I think that might have been, and I did talk about uh, the book Brutal Youth, because uh, I had read that um, after meeting the author. And it was completely out of my genre. I was just going to say, that um, this goes against everything you've just Yeah, uh, and I still don't, I, I don't regret it, but it has stuck with me yeah. in an almost disturbed yeah, yeah. way. But that was still a good book, so. All right, so now last question. Were you to be banished to a desert island and you could only take three books, the ones that you want to stay with you in a good way because you're going to be pretty bummed out, you know, stuck there on the island. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Heaven, Texas by Susan Elizabeth Phillips, straight up front and center. Um, Bob, uh, Bobby Tom Denton is one of the first heroes, I think, that I read who really made me swoon out loud. Uh, it's probably not a coincidence that that was a football story as well. Right. Um, Bringing it back full circle. That one. Uh, I think I would want Yes, Please, too, even though that's kind of a double-edged sword because if, if I was on the desert island, I wouldn't be able to talk to my own children. Mm -hmm. So that might end up making me depressed, but I'm still willing to take the risk. And the third book would have to be, let's say Bossy Pants. Wow, so Tina by, and by Tina. Amy, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, Yeah. You love the well, duo. You love the dynamic duo. I, I, you know what? Women in comedy, they're another one who, you know, they have to work twice as hard. Um, and luckily, we have no problem doing that as women, so. Exactly. So they do it. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. I've been speaking with Stephanie Ivanovich, the author of The Total Package, publishing March 15th by William Morrow Books. It's available wherever print and e-books are sold. Yeah, it's a March. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. I'm Anna Maria Alessi, and this episode was edited by Sharon Matlin with production help from Jennifer Monroe. Please be sure to subscribe to Harper Audio Presents and you can send us a question or comment via our Facebook page. We hope you'll join us next time as we hear more from leading figures across books, culture, and the arts, all brought to you by Harper Audio Presents.